0: We come in on the heels of UFC 295 where we saw Alex Bahia and Tom Assault both claim UFC titles and we saw five fights on the pay-per-view all end in the first and second round. We'll talk a little bit about what happened at UFC 295. We'll give you our best bets for coming up for this weekend's Bellator 301 which is on Friday night and of course on Saturday afternoon we got UFC Vegas 76. We're going to talk about a topic that we talked about towards the end of last week's show. We're going to kind of take a deeper dive into it. The biggest what-ifs in mixed martial arts history plus got to talk a little bit about uh dana white's comments about co-promotion following ufc 295 daniel we're recording this here on a thursday evening great to be uh talking a little mixed martial arts action for uh i get on that jet and uh head to san francisco this weekend
1: you excited to do i freaking took out my, my camera are you excited to get to get on the west coast my man
0: yeah I man I, I would tell you man, San Francisco is actually one of my my favorite road trips uh, throughout the NFL. I mean I've had a chance to the only stadium I've not been to is the Las Vegas Stadium. I've been everywhere else San Francisco, Seattle, Kansas City. you know talking about the like the non-division games for us those to me are, are my fair ones here. I'll be in downtown San Francisco on Saturday night you know if, if any of our listeners you know want to hit me up and you you want to you know throw a few back. I'm, I'm gay. don't worry. I might try to go to the Warriors game on Saturday. I might try to hit the Warriors game a little bit.
1: Hey, man, who are they going to play?
0: I have no idea. Clearly, we will, will not see Draymond Green because clearly he's learned a little rear naked choke uh, <laughs> jiu-jitsu from the other
1: night. Maybe from James Tony. when I look at the, the, the technique applied on Rudy Gobert. Does not look like a textbook hoist Gracie rear naked choke, my man. I think he went to the James Tony School of Jiu-Jitsu. But regardless, yeah, I loved Rudy's quote after it where it's just like, yeah, Draymond's trying to get out of the game if Steph's not playing.
0: Yeah, man, I, I saw the highlight of that. I was like, whoo, uh, he definitely was not letting go of that choke. We, we've seen that happen a couple of times in the world of mixed martial arts. But, you know, uh, by the way, I appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast. Of course, uh, if you're watching us over on YouTube, if you can like and subscribe. Really do appreciate it. If you're listening to audio on the audio side and uh, you just want to kind of show your support for the show, just hop over to the MA Report YouTube channel. Just hit that like. You don't got to sit there for the entire episode. Just hit that like. That really does help us out a lot as well. But, Daniel, really, where I wanted to start off this episode was first off talking about Dana White's comments about co promotion. And people may have seen this, and uh, I saw it over on the Mac Life. Instagram. I'm going to let people hear it, so I want you to hear uh, this interaction Dana White had with a reporter following UFC 295.
2: Is there an opportunity for you to cross-promote with the PFL for, say, a Jones Ningano fight, and is there anything specifically stopping that from happening? Is there any way to stop it from happening? Is there anything that's stopping that specific fight or a specific cross-promotion with the PFL from happening? No, I'm not interested in that. We tried to make that fight. They didn't want to do it and uh, it's done, he doesn't fight here anymore I'm not interested So no fights with the PFL, just in general? Should I? Possibilities We got one, two, and three They can't sell a fucking gate oh, Talk to me Dana. Uh, it's just- a stupid question, but go ahead Talk to me why, should, why, why would I do that? I tried to make the fight here They didn't want to do it But I should co-promote with 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 the, with the you know with, with like a Bellator or, or a PFL, why 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 should I do that? Talk to me. I guess it's just I guess a partnership with ESPN or anything like that. Just in general with, with just co-promoting an MMA to make I guess MMA fans happy, just for everyone to be involved with each other. What? Because of ESPN? As a partnership, yes. You win the dumb question
0: of the night. And, and there you have what Dana White had to say there. And, you know, Daniel, we, we live in a MMA content content community world where it's very easy for us to always rag on Dana. I don't have a problem with what Dana said there. I, I thought Dana's just speaking very much the truth of his, his version of the story. Also, like, as a reporter, and, and I watched that clip four or five times, I didn't get what the reporter was trying to accomplish.
1: Well, I mean, they were just asking a basic question, but there wasn't the ability to respond, right, in the moment when Dane is going after you. You get deer in the headlights, and I can't blame the reporter for getting deer in the headlights because I feel like I would probably get the same thing. I mean, Dane is a master at dominating a verbal exchange, especially when he's at the podium. But the question is simple. Are you going to make the fight happen? Dana, and the answer is simple he's not going to co promote with the PFL, he's not going to co promote with Bellator. But the question is valid in terms of Jason what is the biggest possible mixed martial arts fight that could happen? Jones versus Nganu. I don't think there's a single Conor McGregor fight that is more interesting than that possible matchup. I don't know if you have a counter to that, but. The question is simple, Dana. Do you want to put on the biggest fight ever that you can do right now? And the thing is, you have to co-promote to do it because Francis is under contract.
0: Here's the problem with that, though, Daniel. We just saw the paper you view buys for Francis's boxing matchup. It doesn't help Francis' case. As a combat sports fan, would I love to see that? No question. But to me, like, when... It's one thing is, is is there's a section of the mixed martial arts community that to me doesn't look at all sides of the story. And the the chip the PFL has to do a co-promotion event is they have a promotional agreement with Francis and Ganu. I'm sorry. I don't think they bring anything else to the table. And and Dana dropping some truth bombs, whether people want to, I feel like no one wants to talk about this. The PFL can't sell tickets, folks. Like they're literally giving tickets away to get people in the building. And like like some of the things that I wrote down, what Dana said, he goes, try to make the fight, but I should co-promote. Okay. Did he try to make the fight? I guess, obviously under his, his conditions. I mean, it was hilarious when he says you win the dumb question of the night. And, but I will say this: the the question feel, felt very planted. Like the PFL, asked when asked this question. I mean, look, we we have been around this sport for a long time. We know. Co-promotion is not going to happen, and I put this on, on my ex earlier today, and I thought one of the response was pretty spot-on that it felt a lot like back in the day when uh, you know, Fedor, the UFC, and M1 were trying to put one together. But there, there is one one tweet I want to mention, and it's a really – I'll mention two tweets. One of them came from John Nash, where he says, If this was boxing, PFL would most likely lease and gone to the UFC for a piece of his earnings and then some mentions as a co-promoter in promotional materials. But I want to mention one that a Fight Oracle mentioned, and I really thought this was spot on. And and basically the way I phrased this on X was basically, what is the PFL offering outside of Ngannou to entice the UFC? And he uh, quote tweeted me, he says, they bring Ngannou, if the Saudi government wrote a big enough check, the fight could probably happen. It would take probably nine figures, and UFC would retain virtually all the revenue. I don't know Saudi's appetite to spend boxing type money in MMA, but they could force the UFC's hand. I thought that was a very interesting way to potentially look at it as, yeah, if Saudi Arabia all magically said, hey, hey, UFC, here's $300 million. You keep all the revenue. Maybe there would be more of an appetite, but I've been around the sport so long, like it's not going to happen. And I, I'm sorry, we, we have got to get to the point in the MMA media industry of stop asking the Francis Ngannou-John Jones co-promotion question because it's not changing.
1: Yeah, the answer will be at the same time and again. There's a division there, and the UFC really has shown no interest in doing any co-promotion with any other MMA promotion, right? The one instance of some type of working together with a non-UFC entity Was not ever Conor McGregor fought Floyd Mayweather? That's the one time that we have seen the UFC do something like this. In terms of what the PFL can offer, I mean, the answer is simple, right? It's what you laid out. This is a money question. Making money. How much money do you want to make? Is there a number where the UFC would get in bed with the PFL? Yeah. There's a number to get anyone to do anything, Jason. There's a number that someone could pay me to eat an elephant's poop. Right, it, it it wouldn't be as high as you would think. I think I would probably do it for five grand. I would eat. I would eat elephant crap. Yes, Saudi Arabia put down the money. Yes, Endeavor would love to make bank, make Jimbo Fisher money. That's what they would love to do. But I, I definitely don't foresee it happening. Um, the PFL doesn't have much else. It's just a matter of making the fight happen. Yes, Francis alone isn't a big draw, but Francis under the UFC umbrella with the right opponent, i.e., John Jones, again, I do think is the biggest pay-per-view the UFC could do. I'm not sold on it. I mean, Connor is a proven pay-per-view draw, right? Maybe him versus uh, sack of potatoes would still draw more buys than that Jones and Ganu fight. But my gut instinct tells me the hype for that fight would really, really become: Hey, this is the must. This is the Super Bowl of the year. This is the must-watch UFC. Of the year. So I think it would be the biggest thing, but the UFC isn't inclined to make the move because they are able to consistently put on profitable pay per view events. There isn't a sense of desperation for the UFC to make this fight. It would just be the cherry on top to make a lot of money on a big fight versus they're consistently making money on pay per views every month.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think the UFC is motivated to make this fight because they really don't have to in terms of, of what they do. I mean, it's, I understand why, you know, people will say that, but like, I'll continue to sit here and say this. And I'm sorry for all you, M, you people in the MA community that have your blinders on Francis Ngannou. While he may be one of the greatest to do this as a heavyweight, the guy's not a draw. I mean, he's just not. And his fight against Tyson uh, Fury, while he, I mean, look, he got the bag. We all know he got the bag. He made a crap ton of money in it. But, I mean, I can't see how that pay-per-view made any money when you look at what the the buys were for that. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things of, I am sure as we get into next week with the PFL's pay-per-view, by the way, the price point hasn't come out on that one yet, Daniel. I would imagine. I, I looked up last year's pay per view price point; it was forty nine ninety nine. So I'm guessing it's probably going to be the same thing. I did find it interesting for us in the uh, in the bar and restaurant business uh, that pay per view will be a part of the ESPN Plus for Business package, so uh, no, no additional cost for me. So um, you know, my my two of my properties will have uh, the, the PFL fights next weekend. But I mean, look, it's I I think it's one of those things of. The PFL just has to move on. I mean, because it's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's not going to happen. And I I don't think we'll ever see John Jones and Francis in the cage. You know, will we see Cyborg and Kayla Harrison? Yeah, we'll probably see that fight. But uh, now, you know, Jones and Ngannou becomes the big what if. As Kayla and Cyborg, that one probably does happen. But uh, in terms of like... What's the what-if of this current generation? It's going to be Francis and Jones squaring up because obviously Jones has got a date set for Stipe even though, Jason, I'm probably more enticed to see John take on Tom Aspinall.
0: I look. I mean, Aswad looked great, and he went out there and did his thing. Alex Bahad going out there doing his thing. Just it's kind of crazy you think about Alex Bahad. I mean, obviously you know credentialed, you know K one kickboxer, and and to do what he has done in what seven seven MMA fights now to be a two division UFC champion. Um, you know, we'll see. Kind of you know, obviously I, I did uh, watch a little bit of, of Jamal Hill. You know, talking about, it. and I thought it was kind of interesting. Jamal Hill basically sitting back and saying, "Yeah, man, I'm not trying to wrestle him. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to strike with him." So, how well that goes out there, but yeah, you know, I mean, look, it was a, it was a pay per view where all five fights on the pay per view end in the first or second round via TKO or KO. And you know, one of, one of the things I wrote down about takeaways from UFC 295 was which underdog winning was more surprising. Diego Lopez or Jessica Andrade. Am I wrong to say Jessica Andrade? A former UFC champion is a more surprising underdog winner than Diego Lopez.
1: I don't think you're wrong because Andrade looked straight up washed in her last three fights. Obviously, the caveat for those performances is she took on Killer. She took on Blanche Field and Jan Zenan and Tatiana Suarez. I mean, that's the top five of a weight class right there. But the thing is... She looked really bad, and Diego Lopez has looked good. He has shown he has incredible upside. In Pat Sabatini, his opponent isn't necessarily a killer. Mackenzie Dern made us think she was a lot better on the feet than she performed in this fight. She regressed dramatically. So, yeah, I got to agree. Jessica Andrade pulling off the upset, that's the bigger one to me. She... Took herself out of, man, is it time for her to call it quits? To, hey, she's divorced and she's back.
0: I mean, and that's one thing you you just, there's things you know in the sport and there's things you don't know in the sport. And a lot of times the things we don't know is, is what's going on in a fighter's life outside of what's happening on fight night, what's happening in the training room. You know, we, we don't know what's going on in their personal life unless they, unless they sit there and they want to disclose it, which more times than not, they're not going to disclose it. I mean, but
1: but it's worth noting, it's worth noting before we get on the Andrade hype train, I mean, Thanksgiving dinner's coming up and. I don't know what was more what was more on the platter—the turkey I'm about to have or Mackenzie Dern's chin. So it is worth noting the striking defense of Mackenzie was really bad. I, yeah. w- w- it may not be Jessica Josh is on the verge of a championship. It may be she had a great matchup.
0: Oh uh, no, no, you're, you're spot on there. I mean, you you mentioned about Asmal. I mean, obviously, I I think it, I mean, look, we're. We definitely lived in a sport. where We lived in the moment, and you know, you you hear about Aswol about the fact that he knew he pulled all this fight with the back injury ten days out, you know, before this one. But you know, he noted last week he's like, you get these opportunities, you got to take advantage of it. And you know, look, I think I'm with you. I'm probably more interested in seeing John Jones versus Tom Aswol, but that's not the fight we're going to see next. We're, the fight we're going to see next is Jones versus Miocic. I, I think really the question mark probably becomes is, you know. Whenever Jones A happens, I mean, obviously a lot of that is based on when is Jones healthy enough to go. But you know, my thought generally is is like, well, maybe the co-main event of that card is Tom Asmol defending the interim title against
1: Cyril Gone,
0: Blades Almeida.
1: Almeida's is probably the fight I would make. That's the fight I would make. Honestly, I mean. But what about Surreal gone?
0: I feel I feel like he's going to have to get two or three wins to kind of really cement himself back into title contention.
1: Yeah, then I, think I mean he's, he's already Jelton I mean he's already Almeida. lost two
0: title matchups in the last year.
1: Uh, yeah. two no, years. you're right. You're right. Yeah, and he looked really bad in in them. Uh, you're right. I, I think it's Jelton Almeida. I mean, that's a good matchup, right? Like because the thing with the Gelton Almeida matchup is whoever wins, you're excited to see them fight the champion. Now, uh, Jones might just straight up retire. Uh, after being Stipe, I mean, uh, he may look at Tom Aspinall and be like, I want none of this dude. Like, that's why I want to see Aspinall fight more than Stipe. It's like Stipe, we haven't seen him fight since, you know, Florida State was called like West West Cemetery. What was the first name? Like the West Cemetery College of Florida? I think that's what Florida State used to be called or something. But uh, back in the day when Jameis Winston was your quarterback was whenever Stipe was fighting. So it's been a long time. And Tom Aspinall is out here having the quickest hands in the heavyweight class. Looking like a superb athlete, battling the adversity of his injuries, and oh yeah, this guy's a hell of a wrestler. So it's like, what the hell is that fight going to look like? That's interesting. So I think Jones probably going to look at these younger heavyweights and be like, "Toodles, I'm going to call it a career after I get this payday off Stepe. Yeah. Try and get out of this, try and get out of this contract. Maybe get a celebrity boxing payday. I don't know, but uh, I'm I got a sneaking suspicion that. The interim heavyweight championship will just eventually become the undisputed heavyweight championship once the undisputed heavyweight champion retires.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I just pull up the UFC official rankings. So you've got uh Astonaltes says one as the interim champion, then Gone, Palich, Miocic, Blades, Volkov, Almeida, Spivak, Tuivasa, and Tibura, that being your top ten challengers. So, I mean, I mean, you, you look at that and um you kind of look at what when does Curtis Blaze get back in there? Of course, you know he's supposed to fight Almeida, pulled out of that fight due to injury. Of course, Almeida just coming off that win against Derek Lewis, so be interesting to kind of see what happens there. I mean, and obviously doing Alex or Jamal Hill just makes all the sense in the world.
1: Yeah, yeah, the all man out is Mr. Magomed Ankaliyev. Well, they uh, just uh,
0: they just rebooked him and uh, Johnny Walker for uh, January thirteenth.
1: There's your number one contender's fight. And Jamal, the puzzle pieces kind of got scattered in this heavyweight class with all the injuries. But we're putting it together. And don't discount Yuri Prohaska. I think by the time the winner of Walker and Ekalaya gets their title opportunity, Prohaska himself may have found himself back in that championship opportunity. He did say that the stoppage was justified, but everyone in the moment was having some question marks about that stoppage. He still looks like a killer. Pereira's amazing. I I don't know who I would favor in Alex versus Jamal Hill. I'm leaning towards Alex. He's just an unbelievable stand-up fighter. He, he really is. And it's just a matter of, are you going to be able to put him on his back? That's kind of the way to beat him at 205 because I don't think there's a single light heavyweight that can stand with this dude and not end up counting the lights.
0: Bro, how many... Fighters would do what Yuri did after this fight go, yeah, it was a good stoppage.
1: Few, 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 few. I mean, how <laughs> I mean, many? I,
0: I, I feel like if it was 100 fighters, maybe 10.
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe 10. I think that's true. I mean, everybody would, would be complaining. I mean, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, Dominic Cruz still holds on to grudges that happened nine years ago.
0: <laughs> don't, don't let uh, Keith Pearson be his referee.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could you By imagine way, for Dom uh, Cruz's
0: next fight and the commission just wants to troll him and they just put Keith Peterson in the cage?
1: I think Dom Cruz would immediately fight Keith Peterson. I think that's what would happen is we would have a referee take on Dominic Cruz. Um, dude, how about Ben St. Denis?
0: Yeah, that's that's another one. I mean, and that, that's a guy that you, you give Fravol a lot of credit because Fravol could easily ask for a ranked opponent and he did not. And uh, yeah, St. Denis is definitely a guy that, uh, man, at 55, that's a guy to watch out for.
1: It's a weight class that continues to get more and more interesting. I mean, it's consistently been the deepest weight class in the history of the sport. And now we just have another dude who's just a straight-up killer on the feet. I mean, he's a – BSD is just – he's amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, just look at this this 155-pound division. Yeah, you know, Mojave, obviously, the champion. Then it's Olivera, Gaethje, Poirier, Darius, Chandler, Gamron, Fiziev, Sarukian, Hooker, RDA, and saint Denis. now coming in uh, tied at 11 with Jalen Turner.
1: God, I would love to see BSD face a lot of those guys down the line. He's not there yet, but, like, put him in the cage of Fiziev, put him in the cage with Gaethje. Right. I mean, put him in the, in the cage of Poirier. If he wasn't already booked, I think the next fight would have been BSD versus Benil Dariush. I think that's one that makes a lot of sense. You got a guy in the downswing versus a guy on the upswing, but there's going to be a lot of interesting matchups. And again, St. Denis, the upside is immense. There, yeah. You, you list those names off, and a lot of those people, I feel like we've seen their peak. For Benoit, we haven't.
0: I mean, look, I mean, if if Faziv was healthy, obviously he's got that knee injury. So we'll see what, how long, you know, he's going to be out probably nine months, you know, maybe 12 months, uh, potentially be out there. I mean, that would be a side yeah. list match, but I think that would be funny. But the one thing about St. Denis is he does have that wrestling background, you know, and uh, that's what, you know, I know when I was um, listening to. Uh, for to talk about this leading up to the fight was the fact of, you know, he thought that you know, St. Denis might utilize a little bit of his wrestling there. But, yeah, man, uh, great performance there by St. Denis. And, uh, I mean, th- this UFC train keeps on rolling on, you know, right, right back to, to the apex this week. We'll talk about that, uh, that apex card uh, as we give our best bets, as I, I'll tell you two of my three best bets this week do come from that apex card. But, you know, Daniel, at the end of last week's show, we were talking about, the what ifs in MMA and, you know, so we're kind of going to take a little bit of a kind of a deep dive into that. And I, I feel like we're probably going to kind of intersect on, on our our biggest what ifs. Um, You know, there, I will tell you this. So I ranked mine one through seven. My seven was, is more of a kind of a hypothetical thing more than anything else. We'll get into that. But uh, you know, when, when I was sitting there and I was, after I I went through and I, I wrote down mine and I was like, okay, what is my biggest what if, and to me, I think it's very clear for me, my biggest, what if in MMA history is what if spike TV does not take the UFC's money, air, the alternate fighter and force Griffin versus Stefan Bonner never plays out the way it did. Where would this sport be? If those two things never happened,
1: man, I have no F idea. I think this sport perseveres, but as time passes on, I think we get more distance and we don't realize how pivotal that fight was. Yep. I just think we have a much more tumultuous journey to get to where we are today. But that decision to put Spike TV, put Ultimate Fighter on the air, it provided an express way for this sport to become popular. Had that not happened, it would have been like trying to get to work on a bunch of stoplights and traffic jams. It would have been slower. The Lord only knows. But I, I I do think that is the biggest what if because it just would have been – it was a struggle. The UFC was struggling. Who knows if it would have been sold, if it would have been forced to shut down, we would have said another promotion, give it a start. I think the sport survives because it was interesting. It was already across the world, but uh, the UFC may not have. Yeah,
0: I mean to me that that was by far my biggest what if. I'm guessing I'm guessing that was probably your number one.
1: Yeah, it was because it to me impacts the sport in the, in the biggest possible way. I I think my uh, my other one is kind of biggest what if is we're talking about like things that cause promotions to die, right? I have two. That okay. are on that list. I mentioned one of them at the last podcast, but the one I don't know if I did mention was what if Kimbo didn't get beat by Seth Petrozelli? It's funny you
0: say that because this morning, when I'm going through and like thinking of it, that was one of the ones that is you know there's there's these fights in MMA history. You never forget where you were at. You like I remember exactly where I was at. I wasn't even watching the fight. I was at Disney world with my nephew when he was probably four or five years old for Mickey's not scary, scary Halloween. And I remember getting Texco bro. Are you watching this? And that's how I found out what happened.
1: Yeah. That fight result killed elite XE. I mean, they were banking on Kimbo. The hype was there. People were tuning in. And we're looking forward to seeing the highlight reel of one of the most viral athletes in the internet's early 2000s history. And had Kimbo won, I think Elite XC would have kept on chugging along behind the Kimbo hype train and the popularity would have gone higher and higher. They had a great television deal. But that fight single-handedly killed that promotion. And Elite XC, I mean, eventually kind of the the DNA of the fighters in that promotion basically became strike force. But uh they, they they had things going on. But that fight result, it uh it killed that promotion.
0: I will tell you I do have something related to strike force, but that, that'll be uh later on there. But uh I'll tell you my number two, and I'm sure this has to be on your list. What if Fedor signed with the UFC?
1: Yeah. That's the biggest what if in terms of possible, you know, free agent signings. And I don't know what would have happened. Like, would Fedor have become a UFC heavyweight champion? I think around the time. There were several times where that was a possibility. You know, had he signed during the Randy Couture era, I think he would have beat Randy Couture. Mm-hmm. I think he probably would have beat Brock Lesnar. I think Brock Lesnar would have beat him down, taking him down. And Fedor would have got a submission. I think he would have weathered the storm would Fedor beating kane velasquez no i i don't think so i think kane wins that fight during that time in their careers but had the ufc signed fedor i think fedor has a more prominent point in the goat discussion and i think he's a former ufc heavyweight champion and i think as we're talking he's already in the ufc hall of fame
0: Oh, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, like, I, like, to me, it's, it, it's kind of like, uh, I think a subsection of the Fedor thing is what if Zufa never acquires pride and pride continues on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To me, no promotion has replaced pride. No promotion has gotten closer to the UFC than pride has been like on similar footing. There's always been that gap. Pride was without a doubt the most successful non-UFC promotion we've seen thus far. It has the most nostalgia, and uh, I wish it was still running today. But also, it probably never would have reached... I think it already had reached its peak, and it was on the downward trend. I don't know if it would have continued to do so. But the presentation of Pride is, is sorely missed today, and I know other promotions do attempt to do that type of presentation. But, you know... We now have kind of like um, a monoculture or – what's the word to say? Like everything is the same in terms of the presentation style of mixed martial arts by and large and it's kind of leeting off of the UFC. I think Pride's influence would have created more ways of presenting mixed martial arts and that to me is the biggest loss from Pride. But that's, a, that's a hell of a what if, man. I think um, – For me, another one that I mentioned last time is what if Josh Barnett didn't get suspended? Uh, And again, you mentioned there was two times when that happened. But I was referring to the Affliction event when he was going to take on Fedor. Firstly, that was one of the biggest post-Pride Fedor fights that could have happened. And Affliction was a promotion with a lot of money. Donald Trump in the building for their events. Uh, I think it was at his hotel and um, had that – Pay per view been a success. I think the Fedor sylvia fight, the Fedor Alasky fight, I think those two were successful pay per views. It would have been interesting to see what affliction would have became over the years. But that fight getting canceled literally canceled the promotion.
0: You, you mentioned about Donald Trump, and, and obviously we're not here to talk politics, but like as I was going through my For You on X on Sunday, it. it baffles me. How many people in the MMA industry lose their goddamn shit over Donald Trump walking out to a UFC event? Like, I don't care. Like, it does not affect me one bit, but it just, it amazes me how many tweets I saw from Saturday night of just people losing their goddamn mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, politics is politics. It continues to get more and more polarizing. Um, but, you know, if you weren't a fan of Donald Trump in the building, at least you got the gif of uh, Bill Burr's wife flipping him off. So it kind of, uh, no matter what side of the aisle you sit on, you <laughs> were able funny. to take something to enjoy from, right? And, and uh, yeah, I mean, the UFC, no doubt about it, uh, definitely leans rightwards right you have tucker carlson there who's a very conservative voice you know so th- that's where the usc leans you're not going to see a democratic president there anytime soon i don't think you know you're going to see ron DeSantis there when they go to florida you're going to see trump there so it, it leans conservative and i can understand why people are upset but even me you know i think it's pretty obvious where my politics lie i'm a member of the tea party I'm just kidding. I don't want to I'm just kidding. I don't actually know what the Tea Party does. Um, actually I think they're really conservative. But uh, you know my politics are pretty obvious. And I don't care. It's a former president, whatever. It's kind of he's entertaining. But uh, you know, people they're the their Twitter their ex-presence is defined by their politics, and I yeah, get I, it, but it, it I mean I can understand why they're triggered because you're just seeing all the people you dislike on your sport like imagine you know you're just watching your favorite tv show and you see the politician you don't like on there all the time it's like come on i'm trying to watch game of thrones why is uh why is you know ronald reagan there or uh, i guess I'm, jimmy I'm just, carter
0: i guess i'm just different man. it just doesn't affect me at all like i just it's it just i mean like obviously you know you want you you're there to watch the fights but like no one should be surprised by, by what happened there. Um, my third one, it, it's, it's a twofold on my number three, and it's in relation to Brock Lesnar. And first off, it's A, what happens if he goes MMA and not the professional wrestling route after his collegiate career there at the University of Minnesota? And B, what if he never has a medical issue?
1: Yeah, the medical issue is the big one because he was never the same fighter, and it, it was incredibly clear. I think that's a great one, you know. Had he jumped to mixed martial arts earlier, I think he would have. Maybe he would have been in the greatest of all time discussion. Realistically, he was that type of athlete. You know, sim- he was similar to John Jones in terms of athletic, athletically, and uh, you know, I the guy literally was a whole professional wrestler, came to the UFC and became heavyweight champion. It's insane. Uh, I, I like the Brock Lesnar question, and I, I think you can. There's a couple pivots that you have that I have on here that I'll, I'll just throw them all out there. You know, what if Daniel Cormier jumped to MMA sooner? And then let's look at two amateur wrestlers that haven't done MMA. That it would have been interesting. The big one, and I think you'll see in a lot of Reddit threads, is what if Kurt Angle did mixed martial arts instead of WWE? And the other one, what if Jordan Jordan Boros had become a mixed martial arts fighter? Those are the two big amateur wrestlers I would have liked to have seen. Other than, um, oh, my God, who's the freaking amazing Russian? Oh, my God. Um, let me look it up real quick. I, uh, the, I bet I could,
0: the other name I thought you might mention, and, and maybe he eventually does go the MMA route, Gable Stevenson.
1: Yeah, that's another one. I Karelin is the one I was thinking of. Karelin as and he did do some MMA fights, but they may have been works. Uh, but Karelin, Alexander Karelin. He, to me, actually is number one on like, I wish this guy would have had a full-fledged mixed martial arts career because this dude, you just, you can fall down a YouTube rabbit hole of Corellin highlights, Corellin training. He's actually my number one. I wish this dude had done a whole UFC career. And then the other name is, is Hicks and Gracie, who obviously fought in Pride, but You know, had he done more full-fledged UFC to really get a sense of what type of fighter and ceiling he had, that also would have been interesting.
0: Here's another one. I mean, not somebody on my list. What if Cole Conrad never walks away from MMA?
1: It's another one. Um, I think the thing with Cole Conrad is he just would have had a similar career. I don't think the UFC would have jumped to sign him. He just was a very boring fighter, you know, but he was a damn good fighter. He he is undefeated, hell of a wrestler, impressed Brock Lesnar in training together. And he, he probably would have eventually made the jump to the UFC because it just would have been inevitable. Yeah. But, you know, we saw Ben Asker make that jump. That's a good one. And, and you can look at some of these, um, you know, there's a Reddit thread called the biggest what-ifs in MMA I, I saw. And it really looks at some of these fighters who retired. And uh, one name that I had never heard of before was Philip Miller. And this is from the Reddit thread from Gypsy Gold. He says Philip Miller retired at 16 0 at the age of 23 in 2003 after two consecutive UFC victories. He became a police officer. He was only making 2000 to fight, but he was booked to fight Phil Baroni. He asked for 10000 because Baroni was making twenty grand. UFC straight up released him and rebooked Baroni against Matt Lindland. Philip Miller has wins over Jake Shields and Brian Foster. It's a name I'd never heard of before.
0: Never heard of that name either. Huh?
1: Yeah, and, and the list goes on, right? Zabit, uh, Magomed Sharapov, Steve Mako. Uh, you know, you had TJ Grant had to retired due to concussions. Yeah. Adlin, Adlin Amagov. Uh, I believe he's currently wanted for murder by Russian authorities, according to his Reddit thread. And the list goes okay. on. <laughs> What's the next one next on your list? Double. Uh, next on my list is... It's kind of a tough one because it wasn't going to happen because Cyborg was such a better fighter. But what would the landscape of women's MMA look like had Gina Carano beaten Chris Cyborg in that super fight? I mean, the eggs were in the Gina Carano basket. That's the fighter they were promoting, right? Had she actually had the skill level to beat Cyborg… I I don't know what happens next because she was really popular and that win would have catapulted her into Super Sardom. Maybe she would have had more advisors around her and she would still be in the Star Wars Mandalorian. (laughs) But she probably becomes, you know, she probably comes to the UFC sooner. And then we have the biggest fight ever, Ronda Rousey versus Gina Carano.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you were talking, I mean, the what what if we ever got Cyborg versus Ronda? What 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 would that have been? I mean, that that would have been obviously one of the biggest fights. Um, my number 4 is what happens if Anderson Silva does not tap out Shelson at UFC 117.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's very realistic for just to not get caught in a triangle choke. <laughs> yeah. Shell's your champion uh i i don't know jason that's a hell of a question i mean we got the rematch (laughs) and i I think in the rematch probably would have been the same but that's a great question i I think you can also look at you know what if anderson fought gsp
0: that's my number five
1: yeah well here's here's a couple other ones let's talk about these injuries you know what if anderson didn't break his leg against chris weidman that was random as hell
0: Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you, not kind of injury-related, what if Chris Weidman doesn't pull out of the UFC 199 fight against Luke Rockhold? Does Michael Bisping (laughs) ever get a shot at the UFC title?
1: Or he doesn't win it? I don't think so, because I don't think it ever gets easier than that. Yeah, and we think of Michael Bisping's career differently. I mean, he just becomes the number one guy without a UFC championship, and now Who's who who has that honor? Who's the top fighter that never held a UFC championship in the UFC? Is it Joseph Benavides? Is there someone better that I'm not thinking of? Jim Miller? No, Benavides had a much better career than Jim Miller. Because Benavides was consistently the number two or three guy for years and years. Yeah.
0: Easier path to get the title in his weight class, though.
1: Certainly true. Certainly true. The lightweight class is way deeper. But I still feel like Joseph, I mean Joseph Benavides was consistently like number two. For years, like yeah. he was like the John Fitch of flyweight.
0: Yeah, he 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 just couldn't. He could never get over that hump.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, Donald Cerrone yeah, got it. there a couple of times. Could never get over the hump. Always seemed to not be able to cash in at the, those moments.
1: What if Dana White fought Tito Ortiz? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I saw someone wrote an article about that the other day. Um, my number six is actually very current. What if the antitrust lawsuit never comes together? How different is the Francis and Ganu story? Because remember, because of that antitrust lawsuit, he was able to take advantage to get out of his contract and, and sit it out.
1: Damn. Yeah, that's it's a hell of a point. I mean, we probably end up getting John Jones and Francis and Ghanu, You know, what's it?
0: What was it called? The sunset clause? I want to say. Yeah, time, time range on it. But yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those things. I mean, by the way, Bloody Elbow is doing a, a tremendous job of, of this reporting on the antitrust lawsuit. And it is, boy, it is getting very interesting.
1: You know, well, here's another one. We kind of glossed over when we talked about retirements. I think the biggest one is obvious. What if Habib never retired? It's a great one. I mean, you know, what the hell would be going? I mean, he he's the all-time he retired early because he was the best fighter in the world. Yeah. And does he just continue to solidify himself and he does he just become the greatest fighter of all time? Does he move up to 170? What does he do?
0: Yeah. I mean it, it, I mean in terms of retirement is probably the biggest what if. I'll tell you the final one I have and it's a very hypothetical one. What if Viacom buys Strike Force and the UFC doesn't? How different is the history of Viacom MMA with Bellator I, merging in Strike Force together. Obviously they they it, it was it they it was nowhere a part of it it was always going to be the UFC buying Strike Force but it was one of those things I thought was a hypothetical of how different could MMA history be if that Strike Force is incorporated into what Bellator had built as a roster and those two rosters come together.
1: Yeah, we should do a hypothetical strike force bellator supercard and see what that would look like because that's a hell of a what if you know think of how many strike force fighters would end up becoming ufc champions and ufc hall of famers it's uh it's a great what if jason
0: yeah what else you got on your list
1: uh i think the only the the last one on my list is you know let's look at robberies right like what would have happened if the who a leota Machida result was different at the time, right? Like, That's what good. happens there? There's a lot of these decisions that work. Like, what if Johnny Hendricks gets the decision over George St. Pierre? Right.
0: That's a great one. You know, yeah.
1: those are the two biggest robberies in terms of, like, they were robberies and they also had championship implications that are big what-ifs. And, and the list goes on. I mean, you, it, what if you look at the rules of mixed martial arts? What if they were different? The twelve to six elbows. What if they weren't? What if they were allowed? John Jones's record is unblemished. What if in America you were allowed to do knees to a grounded opponent and soccer kicks? What the hell would the sport look like there? What if they decided to never do gloves?
0: What if Rashad Evans doesn't get injured and John Jones doesn't step in to take the towel from Shogun? Yeah,
1: yeah. How much longer until Jones inevitably wins it? That's a great question. <laughs> and there's a right lot of those which. replacements. So, I mean probably out much longer the, yeah <laughs> yeah there's the, the what if kevin Randleman doesn't slip and get hit in the head uh, during that one ufc event and, and is forced to pull out you know it, it, the list goes on you know hoist gracie not winning is another one uh that yeah. was a big what if you look at names that left the ufc had they stayed with the ufc what would have happened like frank shamrock and mark kerr randy couture the first time there's a lot of those names. There's some great na- names where injuries took their career down, like Eagle Vachanchian, a big name in Japan. There are so many what ifs in this sport. What if the Fertitas never bought the UFC? Mm-hmm. What if Michael Goldberg was still the commentator for the UFC? Yeah. I don't know what he's doing. What if Bruce Buffer didn't exist? Who the hell would be doing the epic with uh, Joe Martinez? Do you know be the most famous MMA announcer? I don't know, but Bruce Buffer, thank God we have him.
0: Or how about this one? Zufa never acquires the WEC.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Sean Shelby. I mean, I'm sure eventually he would have migrated to the UFC. Or what if Joe Silva didn't retire? Maybe yeah, that's I know. the biggest retirement in MMA. May.
0: Too there, there's a lot of major what ifs in the sport, and it was just something we kind of wanted to, to talk about here. But you know, as we kind of now look ahead this weekend, we got Bellator three hundred one on Friday, UFC Vegas eighty two on Saturday. Who knows what Bellator three hundred one is going to feel like tomorrow night? I thought Bellator three hundred felt like a funeral. I mean, obviously, this is the last whatever we're going to call this a Bellator. I'm not sure exactly what we call this. I feel like we're probably going to feel much more like a funeral. I mean, this is obviously the end of an era. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen after it. But, uh, you know, look, I, I think I look at that co-main event, Apache Mix, and Sergio Pez, that's the one that really sticks out to me. Over in the UFC, you got Brandon Allen in, in the main event over there. And I'll tell you that Brandon Allen's actually, uh, in terms of my best bets, he's my number one best bet this weekend. And I like Brandon Allen to win by TKO KO at plus 120. I mean, look, I just, I think he's just a better fighter everywhere it goes. I mean, Paul Craig, if Paul Craig is going to pull this off, it's somehow him getting this to the ground and using his jiu-jitsu, but... I, you know, I, I just don't think he catches uh, Brendan Allen. I think this is Brendan Allen's fight to lose.
1: Yeah, Paul Craig does thrive in the underdog role, though. When you count him out, he's scrappy. You can beat him up in a round or two, and he's going to come back and tap you out. But uh, this is a fight set up for Brendan Allen to succeed. Brendan Allen, earlier in his career, was having, had a couple of step backs against Strickland and Chris Curtis. But he has pieced things together. I think it's a good best bet, Jason. Uh, first and foremost, the UFC fight night sucks. I got to put it out there. This is a bad fight night. I just I just got to be honest with you. I'm a straight shooter. Bellator's card is much better. Granted, Bellator is having its last event probably under the uh, Viacom era. So they just said, screw it. Let's put every good fight we can do. And uh, it's a good fight card. But on fight night, when it comes to best bets, I got two for you on that fight night. And they're back-to-back fights. One is straight up. I like Jake Matthews to beat Michael Morales. I understand Michael Morales has a lot of upside. Flashy. Uh, undefeated. Matthews was in those shoes back in the day. But he is he is taking his lickens. He's gotten better. And I think he's going to play the role of spoiler. He's plus 240 at some spots. The other one, I like Chase Hooper via submission. Obviously, if this one stays standing. Honestly, you should just bet it like this. You should bet money on Chase Hooper via submission at plus three fifty, and Levitt via KO TKO at plus one thousand, and you're probably going to get money. That's my best bet. Do that one. All
0: right, my best bet number two. It's a little a little uh, fight between us. Give me Mike Morales wins via decision at plus two fifteen. Um, look, I, I think this is. The, I do like Morales in the situation, um, and then my third one actually is over on Bellator. You know, I mean, I love me some Danny Sabatello, but don't like this matchup for him. I think Raphael Stotts, he's plus one ten. Uh, get get a little plus money to him. I, I think that's where you go there uh, with Raphael Stotts. But I mean, you're right. I mean, the Bellator card is a much better card. Um, everyone on the main card did make weight here earlier on today. Let's so, uh, pull up the the Bellator press release from earlier today, and because uh, I know Patchy Mix initially missed weight but made weight. On his second attempt, there, uh, you know, AJ McKee, AJ Outlaw, uh, and Sydney Outlaw is kind of like that fight. That, like, I mean, I, I think overall, no one's talking about this Bellator event, and and how much of that is because of, you know, what's happening with Bellator. But uh, McKee Outlaw is a is a very nice fight. Of course, you got Patrici and, and Shelby. It'd be interesting to see what kind of happens now with this lightweight Grand Prix because Usman Nurmagomedov been suspended six months. By the California State Athletic Commission, testing positive for a banned substance. Uh, apparently, it was a prescription that had a banned substance. It, didn't get a TUE for it, so he gets a six-month suspension. There, um, I did see a kind of a very funny Instagram post from Mike Kogan over the weekend about that, uh, basically saying how Brent Primus has nine lives. Um, but uh, but yeah, like that. That to me is like, uh, do we see the conclusions Bells for lightweight Grand Prix? Like that's that's maybe one of the biggest questions.
1: I think it comes down to what. You know, the PFO decides to do with the Bellator brand. But I think the answer is probably no. Uh, It's a good bet, man. I I really like Stouts against Sabatello. I do, man. But uh, I'm going to go with my best bet. I'm going to go Patchy Mix via decision. You know, I I, first and foremost, Mix and Pettis is an unbelievable fight. I am so freaking excited for this fight. Uh, I I just think Mix is a slightly better fighter. But I don't think Sergio is going to be able to get finished. So that's why a Mix, that decision, is going to give you plus odds, and I like that pick. Patchy Mix
0: may be the best 135 in the game right now.
1: He just might be. That's that's why I'm rolling with him. And, and it's going to be exciting to see if he proves us right in this fight. I mean, this is a freaking great fight card. I I love watching Alexander Shabley fight. Mm-hmm. He's a major favorite against Patricky Pitbull, and he probably deserves to be so. I mean, we get an opportunity. This is a hell of a main card. I am freaking excited I mean, I think Amosov is going to have a very easy performance against Jason Jackson. Jackson has performed well, but to me, there's just a difference in, in talent between those two fighters. You know, Amosov may be the best 170 in the world, and and Jackson is just a really, really good welterweight, and, and so that's why I'm pretty confident in Yaroslav winning that one.
0: Yeah, I just had to laugh. The press release says, "Apply for Bellator media credentials." I don't think I worry about that one.
1: No, I don't
0: think so. I don't no. think so. I mean, look, I, I look, I I feel bad for a lot of people there, Bellator, because uh, the reality is, is that uh, a lot of them are probably going to be looking for new jobs here soon. I mean, that, that's unfortunate, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, the final thing we want to mention here on this episode of the podcast is, I saw this sweep. Where it was talking about, uh, Eric McGracken had a thing it says Colorado debating a host of combat sports rule changes. And he puts the agenda in, in this one, and I'll throw it up here on, on the screen so people can see it. And there are to me seven things, Daniel, in this that, that really stuck out to me. Uh, first one is number six, updating unified mixed martial arts rule, number 13, legalize the 12 to 6 elbow for MMA. Number 14, legalize knees to grounded fired MMA bouts. Number 15, legalize kicks to the head of a grounded fighter in MMA bouts. 16, open scoring. 17, disallow local promoters to advertise championship bouts. And number 18, no warning for fouls in MMA. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of these things, Danny, where I look at it and I say, Hold on. So state of Colorado, you're just going to now put a, your own rule set of mixed martial arts action in. So say a local fighter is, uh, you know, fighting in, in a promotion in the state of Colorado, he's going to one set of rules, gets signs to UFC, goes in the vibe. Now he's got fight under a complete different set of rules.
1: Ugh. It, just, I, I, I don't know, Jason, what the hell's Colorado doing here? I mean, this I mean is what's it really is.
0: Okay. Out of the seven, seven potential changes here. I don't know which one is a bigger. Hmm. Is it number 17 disallow local promoters who advertise yes. championship bouts or 18, no warning for fouls in MMA. I
1: think it's disallowing the championship bouts thing. I mean, To have no warnings point blank is absurd to me. It makes sense to immediately deduct a point on a fence grab. But a groin kick deserves a warning. An eye poke deserves a warning. But that disallowing championship bout advertisements and local, that's so weird to me. What the hell? My question is why? Yeah, exactly.
0: Like if we're we're running, you know, the ABCD promotion and we want to put on a title fight we want to advertise it like if like okay LFA goes to state of Colorado frequently if you're LFA you now just say you can't put on a title fight
1: yeah that's ridiculous it, it makes no sense whatsoever it's like distracts you from all the other rule changes because that one to me is the most egregious it, it's crazy I mean there's a couple more can you put it back on the screen for me if you can. Uh you know, eliminate tournament format for events. That's that's weird to me. Um I, I think another one is you know, the idea of just legalizing kicks to grounded fighters, legalizing knees to grounded fighters. I mean, that is just way too drastic for me. Yeah, I mean,
0: obviously that's all about one championship. I mean, let's just call it what that is. I, I'll say this, and if you listen to this podcast, you live in the state of Colorado, you live in the state of Georgia, the UFC ain't coming to your state. I'm just going to tell you that right now. They're not coming to your state. And it's because of what's going on here. I mean, look, look, I am all for moving this sport forward. I have no issues with that, but like... <sighs> I feel like we're we're setting the clock back ten years when this sport was. We had different rule sets based on the state you're in. I mean, I'll never forget Eric Anders hearing the story where he the commission comes back after a fight and he before the fight he goes, "So what rule set are we under under tonight?" Because even the fighters didn't know. And like that's where like I look at this and say, "Ugh,
1: ugh." In this country, that absolutely should not be a problem. It should not be an issue. You should not be going state to state and wondering what rules am I fighting in. It. It's 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 a it's a head scratcher. It's annoying. I, I, That's what it, it is.
0: It's one of those things that, like, I mean, one of the things I've recently seen on, on MMA social media is it's interesting to me that with what one championship is trying to do here in the United States, people seem to be looking the other way. But if the UFC was doing that and commission shopping the way one championship is, wouldn't people be railing on the UFC?
1: Absolutely. They would. But I mean, the difference is people care about the UFC. You know, 1FC doesn't really generate much of an emotional response from anyone in America. It's it, They put on great fights, but it's just a matter of the UFC is the big dog, right? If the NBA wants to do something, people are going to care, but if another basketball league is doing something, no one cares. I mean, it, it it's kind of like that.
0: Okay, I, just just something off you said there. It just it just popped in my head. Is there another MMA promotion in the United States that people care about? No. I, I that that was my thought. Like it, it, it's like you have great fighters in the PFL. You have great fighters in Bellator. But I mean, let's just be honest about it. You go on Twitter right now or X. You don't see a lot about Bellator three hundred and one. I mean, have you have you seen anything about the PFL pay per view next week? I mean, obviously they'll go in full promotion mode next week. I mean, we're sitting here; we're eight days away from that pay per view. They haven't even said what the price point of this thing's going
1: to be. If we got every mixed martial arts fan that watches a lot of MMA. We got him in a room and we said, if you tell me every championship fight on that pay-per-view, I will give you a million dollars. No way. No goddamn way. How much money are we giving out?
0: Zero (laughs) dollars. You would have to be the hardest of hardcore fans to name those six. This is my only fear about the PFL pay-per-view Is that thing could last forever
1: next Friday night. But it would still be shorter than the Francis Fury fight pay per view. So there's that.
0: (laughs) You're not wrong.
1: (laughs) There is that. There is that. But hey. Yeah, I think they're doing
0: seven fights on the pay per view.
1: Yeah, probably all the tournament finals plus. uh,
0: So the pay per view starts at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You have seven fights. Did I count the right one, two, three, four, five, six? Yeah, you have seven fights with uh five of them being title fights, twenty five minute fights. Yeah. You're not your non uh, title fights are Kayla Harrison versus Aspen Ladd and Ray Cooper to third versus Derek Brunson.
1: So yeah, I mean the pay per view will probably end at the same time as the UFC pay per view, it just is starting two hours earlier. If, if
0: if a lot of those fights start going 25 minutes, it's going to be a long night.
1: Yeah, but you know, that's a problem for future Daniel and future Jason. Our current problem is watching this fight night card this Saturday. What the hell? But at least, you know, the Belichick card is pretty I, good.
0: I'll be in the air while it's going on. Because it starts, at, I want to say at 2 o'clock Eastern time, I want to say?
1: You know who won't be in the air? And he usually is, but he won't, right? Snoop Dogg? He's giving up weed.
0: Is that a real story?
1: It's got to have a medical condition. I don't know.
0: Is that fake news? I, I saw that and I was like,
1: is this real life? I, I think it's real life, but I mean, it's probably a sign of the apocalypse.
0: I'm pretty sure the dude has a dispensary in California. Yeah. Kind of sure odd. Yeah. The, so the prelims start 2 PM Eastern time. Main car will be at 5 PM Eastern time. I land in San Fran at, uh, four o'clock Pacific time on Saturday. So that would be seven Eastern. So yeah, pretty much Carl will be
1: over over at that that point. So at at that point, you're just going to watch it on demand. Probably when you get a chance, I mean, enjoy San Fran life.
0: I mean that this time of the year, that's what I find myself doing more than anything else. I mean, it's, um, I mean, look, I, I know there's a lot of people in this industry that, man, they watch everything live. I, I, did, I did, I did that at one point, and I, I, I won't do that again. I, I just, it, to me, if if I'm intrigued in the card, or maybe if I'm out and about, yeah, you know, if I'm out of the bar or you know, out with the fellas, whatnot, yeah, if it's on, hey, let's let's watch it, you know, or put, you know, more times than not, I just put it on my phone, you know, while while we're sitting there doing whatever. But um, yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm far removed from the. No matter what, I gotta be home on a Saturday night watching the UFC.
1: It's just, yeah.
0: At the end of the day, and like it, it's nothing. It's not about being negative about the fights or anything. It's it's for me. It's just more about going out and living life.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just become every time there's a UFC pay per view, we'll watch that live. That's kind of the MMA diet for most fans. is, yeah, is yeah. that Because otherwise, you got to have a life, and there's a UFC event every single week. And some of these Apex cards aren't demanding of one's time. So, yeah, people got to have a life. I mean, we can't devote every Saturday of our lives until we're dead to the UFC.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at it, uh, by the way, uh, so no UFC card next weekend, be a weekend off uh, Thanksgiving, you know, typically a weekend that uh, the UFC does not do a show. But then they're back for the Dariush and Sarukian show on December the 2nd, which that's in August. Austin, Austin, Texas. And then uh you got the December the ninth show, which was supposed to be in Shanghai, China, but uh that event has been moved uh to the UFC Apex. And then uh then the final UFC event of the year, December 16th, UFC 296, uh Leon Edwards, Kobe Covington, Leon Edwards. Are you talking about moving up in weight? Oh, Jesus Christ. I guess it's just a new MMA.
1: Everyone's got to get two belts, huh? Yeah, I guess so. I guess, you
0: know.
1: yeah. Checking my head. I know. We'll see. He's, I know. Got to get yeah, past Covington first.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's not, you know, not not easy to tell us a matchup. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's still a long ways away. But as always, we preach everyone tuning in for the podcast. Of course, uh, you give me a follow at Jason underscore Floyd on all platforms. Uh, Daniel, we got any uh, wrestling matchups coming up?
1: No, but we do have a wrestling show I'll be at locally in Alamo. But yeah, we are about three weeks away from my return to the ring in a street fight, and uh, yeah, it's my first match back. No disqualification street fight. Let's go.
0: I mean, are we coming out with like trash cans, two by fours. I mean,
1: I I'm probably will. Probably gonna need like a nail gun to get the W. But uh, <laughs> you know. Uh. I'll be out there. My fingers are getting better each and every day. So, yeah, going to, you know, as soon as we're done, going to eat some Chipotle, hit the gym, work on that body, get it get it in fight shape.
0: I'll be here in the office working. That's what I'll be doing. But we appreciate everyone tuning in for some of the podcast. Of course, new episodes come out every week. Of course, you can check it out on YouTube, also on all the podcasting platforms. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Ameriport Podcast.